I think when they say growth group, there's several dimensions of growth that that term can really apply to. It's the social aspect of it and how much closer you grow with the other people in your group, get to know them, as well as you grow in your knowledge of the Bible. We were just interested when they said that there was going to be a growth group so that we can grow a little bit more in our spirituality and, and get deeper into the message. The times and the days that we met were, were just fine. We could always plan around them. The message gets to a certain level, and then when you go back over it, it gets to another level, and then to discuss it, you get even deeper. Personally gotten out of growth groups, a deeper appreciation of the message. I just really love being together with all the people, getting to meet people, getting to pray for each other, getting to know people on a little deeper level.
says, but I will sing of your strength and I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. So sing with me this morning our anthem. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes and fights for me. 
much you love us and that you're always enough more than enough I'll never be more loved than I am right now wasn't holding you up so there's nothing I can do to let you down it doesn't take a trophy to make you be more love than I am right now.
sing that last part again. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you spoke I'm already loved.
Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys? What's up? What's up? What's up? If you don't know me, I am Zach Lawler. I am one of the teaching pastors here, also the lead youth pastor. The last part's not important. I just like to brag. It's such a wonderful opportunity to be up here speaking to you guys. I hope you're excited to hear the word of God. Um, I just want to ask a question. Do you guys ever spend time with your neighbors? Yes? No? Okay, I hope so. Uh, we moved into this wonderful neighborhood. We moved into these uh, houses. They're all connected to one another. Uh, we share walls with everybody. It's fantastic, right? And um, we, we got to know our neighbors, and our neighbors are just these loving, amazing people, you guys. And I've realized something as I get older. Did you guys notice that no two families are the same? Like, even though we, like, live next door to each other, same city, same zip code, we could have the same jobs, we're just different people. Take my family, for example. We don't really fit the Camarillo mold, me and my family, you guys, because we're so delightfully white trash, you know what I'm saying? Um, to us, a fancy restaurant is Red Robin, okay? Uh, that's upscale, you know what I'm saying? Uh, to me, classical music is Leonard Skinner. Can I get a free bird? Where are you at? I got some of you guys are like, free bird! Um, love it. Uh, I'm not hard to entertain. I'm not hard to impress. If I come to your house and you have two matching couches, you're highfalutin. You know what I mean? Um, that's just the kind of people we are. We love to roughhouse. Me and my boys, we'll break furniture. We'll slam into walls. like It's like WWF in our living room. If I survive the next couple years, I'm going to keep doing it. That's just who we are. We are full of love. We are full of energy. We love to go outside. We love to hike. Me and the boys have this weird sick habit of when we go on a hike if we see a mountain we decide that we have to run to the top of it the first one to stop running is a whiny diaper baby it's usually me okay because of the love handles but that's just who we are now you guys i realized something uh, there's probably not a lot of families like us around here. Can I get an amen? You guys are like, you're trashy, we're classy, we know, right? Uh, but we're not all the same. Like, some people are very quiet and stoic in their families. And some people are very peaceful, you know? Some people do not turn on loud rock music on a road trip. They just sit there in silence. Have you guys ever been in a car with somebody who does that? Whole road trip, they sit there with no music. It's weird. Stop, okay? But some people do that. To some people, a fancy restaurant is called Mastro's. It's where they spend a bunch of money on steak that they could be spending on fishing. I don't understand it, but people do this. Some people own these strange things called cats. It's a furry animal that poops in a box in your house. I don't get that either. Everybody knows the world's best animal is a dog. We dress them up in sweaters and push them around in strollers, right? Like that's what we do in families. But the truth is the same. No two families are alike. You know, and I think families are beautiful because God takes two very different people and, and he forms this family unit. And you know, the crazy thing is this, this describes you, me and my family. Me and Shannon were very different when we were kids and we've become more and more alike. But here's the crazy part. We've created our own people. Like, like we made them. You know what I mean? And, and the same is true for churches. No two churches are the same. Do you guys get that? Like, there's big differences in churches no matter where you go. Like, some churches like really loud music with lots of bass and electric guitar. That's me, right? And some churches like hymnal music. Some churches like a pastor who's really educated with a doctorate. Hey, and others are into, you know, a bald guy with nice tattoos. You know, you never know. There's big differences between each 
church, some like fog and darkness, others like well-lit wooden pews, some like a 30-minute message like you're going to get today, and others, Joey, a 45 to 50-minute sermon. We are all very different. But today we're going to ask this question. What are two things that you should absolutely 100% positively find in every church you walk into that claims to be a Christian church? What are two things that you should absolutely positively find in any Christian church you walk into? And the very first answer we're going to see is that that church should have a love for God. Every church you walk into that claims to be Christian should have a love for the Creator, a love for the one who gave it all on the cross, a love for this man we call Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? All right. So today we're going to be in Matthew 22. 34 through 40, but before we begin, will you guys please pray with me? After I hydrate, okay. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that your name is known in this place. Let your kingdom work be a part of who we are. Lord, let your will be done in this church today. Give us the words you want us to hear and forgive us for where we get off track. Help lead us out of the pitfalls, the laziness of our faith sometimes, God, and just let us live for your glory, because you are worth it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, church, today we're going to start out in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, and this is titled The Great Commandment. So I just want to read this to you guys really quick. If you have your Bibles, bust them out. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And this is so good. Just a little background on this passage, you guys. You know, right before this, the Sadducees, they're trying to trap Jesus into saying something that's going to get him arrested or killed, right? And, and Jesus just answered this infamous question where they came to Jesus and they said, so there's this widow, right? And she's, she's married to seven brothers because each time a brother died, she marries the next one. And they go, yo, Jesus, in the resurrection, who will she belong to? You guys should know. They didn't care who the widow would belong to. They're trying to trap Jesus and answering a question regarding the resurrection so they can have him arrested and killed. But we know Jesus gives this amazing answer as he always did because they don't know they're questioning the God of the universe, right? But I love this. Jesus says this in verse 29. This was right before our passage. He says, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And you guys need to know you didn't say stuff like that to the religious leaders at the time. You, you, like, it's like, Jesus, you trying to get yourself killed, right? These are the experts of the law. They know everything about the Old Testament. And you guys need to know up to this point for the last three years, Jesus has been really bad for the image of the religious leaders. Like he is a very bad publicist. Is that a word? Whatever. For the, for, the, for the religious people. Now, the Pharisees, another religious group, right? They get together and like, all right, we got to trap Jesus in another way. Let's trap him in answering a question about the law. And we see this. They gather together and one of them, a lawyer, asked 
a question to test him. Now, this is not the kind of lawyer we think about today. It's not like a terrible divorce lawyer or one of those cheesy lawyers that chases ambulances around like, have you been in an accident? Call us now. Like, it's not one of those lawyers, okay? This is a lawyer that was an expert on the law of God. He was actually well-respected within the Jewish community. He would devote his entire life to knowing the Torah and all the laws. And they believe this is the best person they can possibly find to trap Jesus saying something he shouldn't be saying. So he says this, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, as Christians, we don't really understand how complicated this question was. You guys, you know, in the Old Testament, there is 613 laws that they were trying to follow. And out of those 613 laws, it was so difficult to follow them, they actually divided them up. They divided them into 365 negative commandments and 480 I'm sorry, 248 positive commandments, okay? And that was still a little bit too complicated, so the, the religious leaders would get together and they would argue over which laws were more great and then therefore more heavy, and then they would argue over which laws were more light and therefore less important. And now you guys might get an idea of just how complicated this question was meant to be for Jesus. If he says that a heavy law is too light, they have them. If he says that a light law is too heavy, yet again, they got him right where they want him, but they're, again, they're questioning the God of all the universe, right? So Jesus answers them flawlessly. He says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. That's a tough one. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. The first portion, Jesus is directly quoting Deuteronomy 6, 5. And you guys should know that this was a verse that was repeated twice daily by every Jewish individual as part of their Shema, which included a duty of obedience to all the other commandments given by God. So let me sum it up for you guys. Jesus displayed this answer. He destroyed it. He flawlessly answers them, and they are left speechless yet Again, because you guys should know that all the sacrificial laws, all the religious laws, all the laws that were meant to keep them pure, they were all designed to do what? To point them back to a love of the Father that gave them life. And this brings us back to our first point. What is two things you should find in any Christian church? Right now we're looking at the idea that that church should love God. It should have a deep love for God. And I want to go over this, guys. Jesus says this to us, and this is our great commandment, by the way. He says, love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All of it. Love the, God, the Lord your God with how much of your soul? You guys are getting it. And love the Lord your God with how much of your mind? All of it. You all, all of it, with everything we have. There was something that the Jewish people understood that the, the heart, soul, and mind made up the entirety of who a person is. So let me sum this up for us Christians, that we should love God with everything we have. And you guys might be sitting there as a new believer thinking like, everything, yes, everything you have should be given in love to Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to take a step back here because I think in our, in our language, the word love is kind of used to describe many things that shouldn't really be attached to it. You guys get this? Like people say, I, I love my truck. I love a good slice of pizza. I love the way I look in these jeans. 
because I do, right? And I've even heard high school girls three times this week say that they love a guy named Harry Styles. Y'all, that ain't love. That's just nasty, okay? But we use this word love way too loosely in our language, yet we use it to describe how we feel about the God of the universe. Is this ever absurd to you guys? I think there's a, a better way to describe how we feel about God. I think our word love is extremely insufficient. I think we need to show God how we feel about him. We need to love God with all of our heart and soul. That means we love God with our word. We love God with our deeds. We love God through our thoughts. We love God through our attitudes. Every moment of every day, what you share, live out, and act out should be a love for God. And I want to go another way with this. This means you should love Jesus more than you love your car, more than you love your home. This means you should love God more than you love your retirement plan, your 401k. This means you should love Jesus more than you, wait for this. This means you should love Jesus more than you love your family. And this means you should love Jesus more than you love your own spouse. And I remember when I accepted Christ, that was a tough one for me because I love me some Shannon, man, right? But you should love Jesus more than anything in your life. And I think a check for us, if we are going to love Christ correctly as a church, we need to remember that we need to love Christ more than anything that is in our world. And that is tough. But that can be tough to do. Now, what does this mean for us? This means we must be a church that strives to be a people that loves God with all they have. You guys, I think we've become too comfortable as a culture being people that love God with part of what they have. I think as Americans, we've become way too comfortable with allowing God to be a small part of our life, but we need to remember that we need to let God be all of our life. Now, I don't want to be a pastor who just comes up here and yells about loving God with everything you have and then leaving it so obscure. I think there are ways to, to show that we love God with our lives, and the first one is this. It is in our worship of God that we show Him that we love Him with all of our heart and soul. And I had this thought as I was writing this church, how are we doing in our worship of God? How are we doing in our worship of a holy God? How is that being lived out in our lives? Is it something that we are suffering through each week in order to get to the sermon? Is it something that we reluctantly get through in order to hear the portion of the Sunday that we want to be at? Or is it something that we eagerly anticipate being a part of, musical worship of a holy God? Is it something we live for? You guys, when I was a brand new believer, I used to run to the front row in order to worship a holy and perfect God with all of I, with everything. But lately, it's just been stale. How about this? Should we not love God with all of our mind? That includes our study of God. Right now, you guys, you're like, what is this bald guy rambling on about? But I want to say this right now. In this place, we are studying the God of all the universe. Does that not still move something inside of you? Are you still stirred with all of your mind for this God? And then we come to the end of the passage where Jesus says these very difficult words, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I want to ask you guys as a church, are we concerned about the salvation of others? This brings us to our second point. What is the second thing you should find in any Christian church? The second point is we should find a love for the lost. 
And Jesus sums it up at the end of his great commandment. He says, you should love your neighbors as you love ourselves. And I think this is a really easy point to understand, you guys. You know we're really good at loving ourselves, right? Like, no one's ever had to tell Zach to love himself, okay? I'm good at it, okay? Like, I work out all the time, if you can't tell, right? Like, I eat well. I haven't had a carb since 99, right, Jacob? Like, I take care of me. No one has to remind me to do that. As a matter of fact, there's a bunch of people in my life that try to discourage me from taking care of myself. My wife bakes things all the time, trying to plump me up. It's not going to happen, okay? But she does her best. But no one ever has to tell me to take care of myself myself. I love me. And this is a human nature that Jesus understood. He knew this about us. That's why he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to drop a reality on you guys. If we claim to love our neighbors, we have to absolutely 100% care about what happens to their eternal destiny. We have to care about what's going to happen to them in eternity. You guys, you have to know this. If you're going through life with no hope and no faith and no love of Christ in your life, what greater thing could you possibly be in need of than salvation in Jesus Christ? What greater thing could we possibly share with our neighbors and love than that of the love of Jesus Christ? And we see this in Jesus' great commission at the end of Matthew 28. 16 through 20. I want to read this to a church that's going to be up on the screens. We just learned the great commandment. Now we're jumping into the great commission, the two greats here. Verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I, mean, I love that ending. It's beautiful. Jesus has come back from the dead. He's spending time with his disciples. He's been witnessed by hundreds of people. Now, you guys need to know that Jesus could have shared any words as his final words here in Matthew. He could have shared any words, and the last words he shares is, Go, go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to know all that I have commanded you. And this brings us back to that second point. If we're going to be a church that loves God, we have to be a church that has a love for lost people. Now, I've taught this passage before, you guys, to the youth ministry, and I've always emphasized this word, go. Go. It's an action word. It's a commandment. You guys have to get out there. You have to share the love of Christ. But I was studying this in my commentary, and it actually has an emphasis on the only verb that is an imperative, and this in the Greek is make disciples. So actually, in the Greek for us, it would be better to read it this way, as you go make disciples. That kind of changed the way I've looked at this passage because often we look at this passage and we go, I need to take a special trip. I need to make some mission plan to go to Mexico and share the love of God. But when we read it this way, we see that God actually wants us to make disciples as we are going through life every single moment of our lives. When we're talking to our neighbors, when we're talking to the lady at the hair salon, when we're on our kids' sports teams, right? When we are in the car with the Uber driver. I don't care if it's a guy delivering pizza. Yo, pizza man, Dan, you know Christ? Like, 
it is a continuous action that we should be living out, not just telling people about God, but making disciples out of people who don't know God. That means that we have to be all up in people's lives, a part of their lives, living with them. And this brings us to our big idea. True love in church is found in two expressions. Love for God and a love for the lost. True love in church is found in two very distinct expressions. We gotta love God and we got to love those who are lost. If we're only living out half of this, guys, we're missing out on a huge portion of what Christ has called us to. Now, if we're going to be honest, church, this is, this is tough. It's tough to live out sometimes. It's, it's like, I think this is an easy verse to read, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but it's a much tougher verse to live out in your daily life. And I was thinking about this, guys. I feel like the, the longer we believe in Christ, the easier it is to kind of forget the power of what he did in your life. Does that make sense? Like, me and Shannon yesterday, it's only been 13 years that me and Shannon knew Christ. We got baptized together on a stage in the church. And you know what? It's still fresh enough to me where I can feel that feeling of being so very lost and so against God. But yet at my absolute worst, this guy, Jesus, came and he drug me out of the depths that was my sin. You know, and I, I had this memory of me and Shannon at the grocery store. And we were just teenagers, you know. Um, and we were at Winko because we're white trash, you know. And... <laughs> What's up, my Winko homies? I didn't know that was going to happen. Okay, so we're in Winko, and we're grocery shopping, and Shannon's a teenager, and I'm a teenager, and I'm covered in filth and oil from the tire store that I'm working at. And I'm working 50 hours a week to try to keep food on the tables, but after you know, paying our rent that was like a whole whopping 600 bucks and putting gas in our 87 Nissan Maxima, we were left with about 100 bucks to cover the food for the week. And I remember she's pushing this cart. And inside this cart is this chubby little baby that looks like a miniature job of the hut, you know? And he was just always so hungry. And I remember pushing that cart through the store knowing that I was never gonna be able to afford everything that was in that cart. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in this kind of life situation. It's called insufficient funds. But you would push your car to the front and she would start ringing you up and you would quickly realize that you didn't have enough money to cover what was being put on the belt. And as that number ticks closer to 100, I would always watch Shannon. She would start taking stuff off the conveyor belt, but it was always stuff I picked because that's how she rolls. You know, there, there go the Nutter Butters. There go the Cocoa Puffs. Dad never get what he wants, right? But the baby's going to get what he needs, you know? And, and by the end of it, we would always almost cover and cross that $100 mark. And we would have this extremely embarrassing moment where we would have to look at the lady at the register and ask her to start taking things off. And I hope if you've experienced this, you never have to do it again, right? But it's a horrible feeling feeling. And in that moment, me and Shannon thought the worst thing we possibly faced was insufficient funds in our life. But it was at that time that we did not know that we were completely and utterly lost and separated from God. 
We didn't know that someday we would stand in front of a loving creator and that he would tell us that we were insufficient to cover the sin that we had lived out in our lives. No one told us a word about the love of Christ. Church, I was thinking we have to love the lost enough to be moved to jump into their situations. Guys, there's going to be millions of people, millions of people that are going to stand before God thinking that they can cover the sin that they've committed, thinking that they're good with God, thinking that they're good enough, and they're going to be completely insufficient to cover the weight of the sins that they've lived out. Does this not move us anymore? Does this not stir something? Church, we still have to be moved by the reality that people are going to face a holy God and be separated from him forever. You know, guys, I was thinking about this. We have tons of wonderful ministries on this campus. We have amazing children's ministries, and we have these amazing youth ministries, and we have these really good-looking youth pastors that share the gospel. We even have this wonderful group on campus called Awana. Maybe you guys have heard of it. This last Thursday, they had over 200 kids on campus hearing about the love of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? What a true act of living out the love of God in their lives. I love everybody involved in that ministry. But you guys, there's no Awana club for adults. There's no catchy youth ministries with free pizza and, and a, like a video game service to get adults in the room to hear about Jesus. This room might be one of the only opportunities adults have to hear about the love of Christ. As a matter of fact, I want to remind us that the person who is lost next door to you might have their only opportunity in hearing in Christ coming from you guys, from you. You might be the only person in the world that can share the truth of Jesus with them in their brokenness. Church, we have to tell people. They need to know. They have to know that they are separated from a holy God, a God named Jesus Christ that went to the cross and took their sins upon his shoulders. They need to know that it is by his great wounds we are healed. They need to know that he can cover every insufficiency that they have. They need to know if they just knew this guy, Jesus, that they would be made whole again. Church, the two greatest ways that we can live out true love in the expression of our church is by loving God and loving the lost. If you've been lacking in either one of those areas, I pray that God does something in your life today. I pray that a love for those who don't know Christ is stirred in you once more. I pray that if you've been lacking in your love for a holy God, that he does something inside of you right now. And I pray that if you don't know this guy, Jesus, that if you have been living in separation from God for so long that he drags you close to him today, I pray that in one way or another, one of my words reaches your heart, and I pray that Jesus stirs something inside of you that you would know, that you know that Jesus is the only way. And that he can make you whole. Will you guys pray with me? God, you are good. 
God, I want you to know that we want to love you with every part of who we are, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. I pray that we give every bit of who we are to a service of a holy God. I pray that we see more ministries like Awana just going out there and fighting to share your love with everybody who will listen. I pray that as adults, God, we are moved and stirred knowing that there are old people out there who are lost. I pray that if we are lost, we are found, Jesus. And I pray in everything we bring glory to your name. To your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Zach. I am. So this is our time in our gathering where we get to worship God by giving back to him a portion of what he's given us. And he is a generous God. So just as singing his praises, his worship, just as proclamation of the word is worship, so is giving back a portion what he's given us, our tithes and our offerings. It's a cheerful gift that we give to him and entrust him to further his kingdom. In this, we declare that God is worthy. Let us pray. Oh Lord, God, thank you for today that you've brought us into this house to worship you. And Father, I pray right now as we worship worshiped you in song as we worshiped you in the proclamation of the word father would you accept our worship as we give back to you our tithes and offerings would you use it to impact the kingdom here in Camarillo and around the world amen okay so today is September 11th and if you're over 25 or so, 25 years of age, you probably remember where you were and what you were doing when you heard about the attack on New York City in our nation's capital. I certainly do. It was a day of great pain. It was a day of tremendous loss. This was a day of the largest loss of American lives in conflict in a single day since World War II. It was a day of huge sacrifice in protecting our country and serving and rescuing our neighbors and answering the call of duty. It was a day of heroes breaking through the evil that we witness, God's grace and goodness was more than evident. He was then, as he is now, still on his throne. So a lot has changed in those 21 years since that day. We're, but in many ways, we're still impacted by this event. Just try traveling. But even more significantly, just like then, today as it was 21 years ago, we are still surrounded by heroes. Our first responders, firefighters, peace officers, emergency medical personnel, 
these guys and gals. They're still um, working in this community and they are still serving with distinction. And this church family recognizes your service and dedication to your community. We applaud you today. And we say that you are our heroes. And our armed forces, our army, our Navy, Marines, Air Force, and our Coast Guard, Zach. Our military are still defending this country. They're still on duty, still vigilant, and still deterring aggression and oppression around the world. And this church family recognizes your service and sacrifice to this we applaud you. And we say that you are our heroes. Our memories of 9-11 help us understand the nature of this world. It is a world corrupted by evil, of pain and regret. But also, let us be assured by the goodness and mercy of God a God who sent his son, a real hero, the greatest hero to this planet. To him be the glory and the honor forever. Amen. On this day, several years ago, we erected a flagpole outside to commemorate that day 21 years ago. Go out and check the plaque uh, that's at the base of that flag. 61 years of ministry here at Camarillo Community Church and the goodness and blessing of God. He is a good God and it's a great God we serve. So if you would, check out this video. Hey guys, I'm Jacob Solis and I'm the new middle school pastor here at CamCC. I'm so glad you're here. If you're a first, second, or third time guest, we have some gifts for you to thank you for hanging out with us. We want to put a face to the name, so please walk over to the welcome counter in the lobby with a connection card, or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. I'm so excited as we kick off the fall for our middle school and our entire church. It's a great season to invite someone to join you. Coworkers, neighbors, friends, family, don't believe me? Check out what's happening around here at CamCC. The month of September, growth group signups. You guys got to check this out. Just an eight-week commitment to grow in your faith and get connected with others at CamCC. You may be thinking, Jacob, I've never been in a growth group. Well, it's time to give it a try. It's just eight weeks and the kickoff is September 18th. For more information, contact Jim Moyer at CamCC.net or sign up on the patio or online. October 21st to the 23rd, Men's Retreat. Join the men of CamCC for a weekend retreat in the glorious Golden Hills of Malibu with Rob Orem teaching on biblical manhood. There's plenty of downtime for outdoor activities, games, or just relaxing. Check out the men's table on the patio for more information. Vision meetings. Vision meetings start this month. If you didn't get an invite mailed to your home and would like to attend, please let us know and we can make sure that you're a part of one of the six vision meetings we're holding this month. 
just email michelle at camcc.net. Video venue. If you haven't heard, we just opened an alternative video worship venue for those who love our church but prefer a lower volume level of worship. Go ahead and check it out. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more intel on any of these events, go to camcc.net. Thank you, Pastor Zach, for that awesome message. One of the points that I got out of it was that I need to love the lost, and maybe I'm not doing that such a great job if I have my school friends and my work friends and my church friends. Why am I not inviting those other two groups here where they're gonna find eternity and grace here? So I need to reach out better and connect with those friends better. If it's your first, second, or third time here at KMCC, please go to our welcome counter on the left-hand side, and we have some gifts for you. Or if you're online, go to kmcc.net slash next steps and fill out that digital connection card. So with that being said, invite someone, invite those coworkers, invite your neighbors, invite your family that may not know Christ. We have plenty of room for them here. Please enjoy some coffee and donuts in the patio, hang out, have fellowship, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good week.